Hello and welcome back to the We Are Z podcast. As always, I'm Paul Loman. And I'm Jimmy Sheet. After a short break, we're back with a brand new season two of We Are Z podcast. And today we have a really interesting topic that we've wanted to talk about for a long time. But right now, it sounds like it's the perfect time to bring up this topic of cancel culture. Today we have on Caitlin Helberg, who is going to talk a little bit about what cancel culture is and how it plays such a big role in Gen Z culture today. Last year, Caitlin did an informative speech on the cancel culture, so we thought it's perfect to have Caitlin, one of our fellow friends, to come on and talk about what she thinks the cancel culture really is. Obviously, we thought about is you, and plus you being a you know fellow Gen Z, or um, it was kind of automatic for us to to think that you were going to be the person that we're going to talk to. Well, I'm honored that you thought of me first. <laughs> Well, I'm very, and it was late notice for us too. So very glad that we can work this out. So yeah, would you like to know about cancel culture? So why don't we just start by your definition of cancel culture? Like, what do you think cancel culture really is? I think it's really important to define cancel culture and call out culture as two completely different things. Okay. So I think cancel culture came after call out culture and where it became more about trying to take down almost influencers and big social media presences almost through like online shaming. Whereas I feel like call out culture is more of something that started to actually try to draw attention to major social issues or violations that were happening. Interesting. And why do you think it's uh, important to make that distinction? Yeah, I think it's really important for us to distinguish between the two because cancel culture not only is probably going to have more of a negative connotation, but recently I feel like it's been almost ridiculed as a tool to try to take down people who are using discriminatory language as a whole. And so it may be better for us to start moving back towards using call-out culture instead of cancel culture. And I totally agree with the distinction between the call-out and cancel because personally, I believe in free speech and free will. And if you think something and someone said something that's offensive and you want to call him out, I think that's fine. But I feel like when you go a step further saying everybody has to boycott him, and if you don't, or, or her, and if you don't, then you're also at fault. And to me, that's like what cancel culture is, as opposed to the call-out culture. And correct me if, if I'm wrong. And I feel like that's why I often don't feel so good about cancel culture, as opposed to just pointing something out. Because I don't think cancel culture really moves anything forward. And I don't think it changes anything. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think that's very accurate for a lot of people. Because a lot of people started realizing what cancel culture was, probably with the whole James Charles and Tati debate. And when people were using it in that manner, it was more that people just wanted to look at cancel culture as a way to like a post or potentially degrade somebody simply because they wanted to and they're anonymous over social media for the most part. And so I, I kind of agree where cancel culture kind of leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth because it was 
intended probably for the right reasons, but then it's just taken way too far. Yeah, I think one example that we obviously have to bring up is the um, Sky Jackson's doxing. Um, and you're familiar with that, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, so, you know, just for the audience who probably, I mean, that was kind of a side story, but pretty much Sky Jackson's a very, very famous actress that um, was in numerous Disney movies. And then she doxed a 13-year-old boy for saying guacamole and word penis. That on its own is could be definitely not right for someone to say. But I don't know if it's justifiable for Sky Jackson to post the the 13-year-old boys, home address, school, full name, and then which reportedly the kid was expelled from school and all parents were all fired from their jobs. Like, I don't know if that's really enough for 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 someone to just ruin their life. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there, I watched this really interesting video from Jubilee and it's about whether they think cancel culture um, is a good thing or not. And they had three pro-cancel culture and three anti-cancel culture. And all six participants, 100% of them, said that cancel culture is out of control. Especially I feel like it's this field by the media and Twitter. And... Do you think it's out of control or do you think they're just we're just fully using this as a tool to bring out the message? I yeah, that whole situation was just a shame because the whole the reason why cancel culture started was it's supposed to re-educate people on what standards should be set just as human beings and how we should act socially. But when you tell somebody that because they made a mistake like that, that's kind of going a little bit overboard when you try to destroy every part of their lives. And it it makes it difficult to use cancel culture if we're just going to take everything to the extreme. If we're only using it because we want to see people punished and not because we want to see people learning, this isn't right, how can I address this language? in the correct manner. I think um, I think something that's interesting to look at is um, the difference between cancel and call-out culture in terms of effectiveness. Um, just playing a bit of devil's advocate, cancel culture in my mind um, is very effective in getting results because it is backed by the uh, a large group of people who all have um, this common ideology, which is to have that person canceled, to um, almost effectively destroy their career in some senses, depending on the person. And it's really interesting to see how cancel culture plays out and how different studios will respond to it and stuff like that. For example, um, recently the Chris D'Elia case, um, where Chris D'Elia was, uh, there were reports of him talking, uh, I can't remember exactly. It, there are reports of him talking to uh, underage, girl. yeah, yeah, underage girls, and there became this big movement on Twitter to cancel Chris D'Elia. And what ended up happening was um, his studio fired him. He uh, a lot of his TV shows got removed off to, off of streaming services. Um, a lot of fellow actors and actresses that had worked with him were calling him out um, as a result. And I think the thing about cancel culture is it does give results 
though it does drastically hurt um, the individual who is accepting those results. And I think with um, call-out culture, um, there is a lack of uh, effectiveness that I've really seen. And I don't know if you have any uh, experience or, or that you have any knowledge of call-out culture that uh, acted really effective, but I, whenever I see call-out culture, it almost immediately nowadays, because of social media, um, it turns into cancel culture pretty quickly. Yeah, so I would say that call-out culture is extremely effective because the Me Too movements were rooted in call-out culture. And I think that's probably the biggest case of the success of it. And while I think why it's easier to say, oh, maybe cancel culture is more effective is because we're seeing more drastic measures taking place. But at the same time, if we're taking extreme measures with cancel culture, it begs the question of whether or not somebody is just trying to preserve their own honor and their name, or if they're sincerely sorry about what they did. I think one of the things I just want to pop, uh, go off of what you just said is like, um, if they're really like accepting it and notifying that they've done something wrong. Um, I think a great example of this is um, Logan Paul. Uh, I think it was 2017, if I'm correct, um, yeah. at the beginning of 2017 in January with the whole um, incident of him recording a video in a Japanese suicide forest and that getting a lot of t mm -hmm. attention um, on the media and on, uh, on social media as well. Um, even for people who didn't know him, like that was a big deal. Um, and that was something that drastically affected his career and call out culture was a big part of that. I don't think cancel culture was necessarily there, um, because he wasn't being canceled. He was more being called out for what a, t a terrible thing he had done. And I think he, he tried to recognize that in another video where he kind of explained that he, um, he was doing something that wasn't correct, that he was going to try and change. And he did go through the motions and um, appear on various news sources and talk about how what he did was wrong. But what happens when someone doesn't truly realize what they've done or goes on to do more things that, um, that, that aren't justifiable in a sense? Where does call-out culture go from there? Yeah, I think that's, it's an interesting incident. But it's also a really interesting question because for some people, like even say if you take our president, how he will say certain remarks and then in a tweet the next day, he'll completely retract whatever he said. And I think for call-out culture, sometimes it is completely ineffective where it's going to give people a platform and almost more viewership to whatever they said the first time. And they're just going to build off of that and and just continue their path of saying inflammatory remarks without ever changing or learning why what they're saying is wrong. So, I mean, maybe in that sense, you could say call out culture. While maybe it's a little bit more passive than cancel culture. It could just allow somebody to, have a platform and continue saying the wrong things. But I think it may be better in a sense simply because call-out culture seems to approach an issue with more empathy than cancel culture. Yeah, and I, I definitely like the idea of where you talked about empathy, right? So I think one, again, just to go back l really quick um, and talk about 
the cancel culture on its own, I feel like there's a distinction between cancel someone because of their belief and canceling someone because they're pedophile. And, you know, for Chris D'Elia's case, I mean, I just don't know if I want to watch his movie anymore after he literally, you know, said those sexual or suggesting stuff with a 14-year-old girl. But that's different if it's saying, let's say, the Goya CEO that praised Trump. And now everyone's like, let's cancel Goya because their CEO said pro-Trump things. Like That's the thing I have a problem with is why are we canceling someone? Because we just have different fundamental beliefs. I think that definitely goes back to how you were saying earlier, how sometimes these canceling moments are more organized and other times it just seems like somebody wants to cancel somebody because they have the opposite beliefs from them. Exactly. Like So to, to, today, if I'm thinking about cancel culture, the thing that I think about is not necessarily canceling someone because of their actions, but more of like the message that they brought out, right? So like Justin Trudeau's, I mean, he wasn't really canceled, but obviously the blackface incident, right? And then, um, you know, you have numerous writers and even publishers that were, you know, to some degree, blackmailed because of some of the things they said. And, you know, we can talk about Harper's letter in a little bit and how they really phrase it's just clumsy mistakes. And I just, I don't know if it's really a good idea for us to just cancel someone because they said the wrong things. Because by canceling them, we're not really changing their minds, and nor are we changing like-minded people like them, right? Like, if we really want to change this idea of fundamental racism just by saying we're going to cancel all racists, like, I don't know if that's going to make people not racist. Would you agree with that, or do do you have a different take on that? No, I, I think I agree. And I think it's also really interesting is because cancel culture honestly hasn't been around that long, maybe as far back as five years, most of these people who are canceled now probably are going to come back into a lot of social circles in the next two, three years. And so Mm -hmm. it definitely goes back to they're going to come back. But the question is, did canceling them actually change their views? Did they take that time off to self-reflect? Or did they take that time off so that they can come back and have even more followers and viewership than before? Exactly. And I think from what you brought up, I think it's a good time for us to talk about this Harper's letter. And I mean, that probably happened about a week ago. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but pretty much it's um, this letter that was published in Harper's magazine that um, was signed by 150 different intellectuals and professors and um, writers and whatnot and you know including like jk rowling and malcolm gladwell and it's pretty much a letter that's um that spells out anti-cancel culture and i just wanted to read this quote because i i think that really highlights the message they're trying to send out quote it is now all too common to hear calls for swift and severe retribution in response to perceived transgressions of speech and thought more troubling still institutional leaders in a spirit of panicked damage control, are delivering hasty and disproportionate punishment instead of considered reforms. And I think that's just, I mean, to some degrees, I feel like that's also a response to the Black Lives Matter movement of where they're trying to bring out this message for actual, you know, considered reforms and not just changing names. And that's a different conversation, but I think 
the fact that there's so many people, 150 people that believe that cancel culture is problematic. And I feel like we really need to address that issue. And the, the scary thing is a few people that originally signed this letter were canceled because they signed this letter and they had to unsign it. And, you know, just uh, just by s- the fact that they have to unsign it just shows... Kind of ironic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the mob that's controlling this. And, you know, in my opinion, that's tragic. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I think maybe part of the reason why there was such a strong response is because we're all kind of in a lockdown. We're all on social media more and we're looking at these people. But... Even even if you were canceled and you're, you're anti-cancel culture, it just goes to show that just because somebody makes one decision and we are still allowed to have opinions doesn't necessarily mean that they should immediately be canceled. Yeah. And I think I want to draw a parallel here of nonviolent crimes and saying wrong things. You know, the, the left have always been, I mean, to some degrees, the right, too, have been pushing this of, um, you know, less punishment for nonviolent crimes. They're saying, you know, if you haven't committed a violent crime, there's no reason for it to be have, um, you know, solitary confinement and, and t- you know, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like this is also an example of that is if you say something wrong, we, we're not here to punish you, but rather to re- rehabilitate you. That's the purpose. We're trying to change your mind, or not change your mind, but educate you at least on the right side. Not just saying, go screw yourself because you said the wrong thing. And that's the same thing how we treat non-crime, you know, uh, non-violent criminals. Is we don't just, you know, personally, I don't think you should just be putting them in jail and ruin their life. But rather, is there a better way that we can rehab- re- rehabilitate them and actually lead them on the right track? And like, you know, you talked about earlier with empathy. And I feel like that's the only way we can get the message across. Is, um, and that's in the letter too. I'm just going to quote it. It says, the way to defeat bad ideas is by exposure, argument, and persuasion, and not by trying to silence them or wish them away. Because I feel like if you just try to silence them, there's no difference between that and authoritarian and communist regime that's try- just trying to silence the idea that the state doesn't agree with. Well, the problem is, I think, mainly is where... <clears throat> this big issue comes from is you see this even in our leadership um, in politics and um, local government, you see this idea of, okay, I'm not going to converse with you or have any discourse. I'm going to tell you my idea. And this is why my idea trumps your idea. And that idea of not listening to discourse or having these conversations and having um, open conversations to talk about one another's opinions and rather shutting another person's opinions down because you don't agree with it and immediately canceling their ideas is a problem that exists so heavily now and is so easy to cancel someone on if you get a a large number of people to follow you that it's become a toxic environment, not on social media only, but also in real life news, like all the time. They back this motion up. Yeah, it's... It's definitely interesting because if we're not listening to both sides, then we're taking away having opinions in general. But cancel culture definitely needs to scale back in a large way 
because it should really only be used if somebody is saying something that is very outdated and discriminatory, not just saying something that goes against your own personal ideals. Right, I agree with you, and also in my opinion, that if you said something, you know, racist or sexist or homophobic or transphobic, thirty years ago, as a joke, as a high school student, and holding them accountable today, thirty years later, and ruining their life for it, I personally don't stand by that. Yeah, I agree. Because I believe that people are going to change, and while somebody might have said something back then, who knows? I mean, I wasn't、mm-hmm. alive thirty years ago, but it might have been something that was allowed. And because we're constantly changing what our social norms are, I think we should allow absolutely people to say, "Hey, yes, I did say that, and it was wrong, but I'm a lot different, and I've learned now." And, and I think one thing I want to touch on that you know I don't know if we will have enough time to talk about it, but. Just about you know, since we're talking about going back in time, about this whole Confederate statue issue, and how people want to, I I don't think it's correct to categorize them as cancel culture for Confederate statues because that's a more complicated issue. You know, you have the daughters of Confederacy involved, but let's just talk about Mount Rushmore. I think that's a better example. So you know, we have the forefathers there. Two of them are slave owners, up there in Native Indian land, and people are saying we should just. Wipe them out, and me personally believe that we're really judging them based on today's standard. And I think a lot of cancel culture that does is only seeing the bad side and focus on the extremes, rather than seeing as a whole person of what Thomas Jefferson did for the freedom of this country. I think that's a problem I see with cancel culture is we're so focused on one dark spot of someone. And we're gonna decide to just, it, you know, I, I heard this somewhere, but I don't remember. It's saying I have a womb in my arm, and just gonna cut the whole arm off. I feel like that's what we're going toward, and I'm a little bit scared. Yeah, I think that's definitely the scary direction that cancel culture is moving towards. Because, in all honesty, just because someone said something, or if we had a statue in the past, that is still our history. It's still something that happened. But instead of just immediately going to the most extreme notion of let's destroy this statue or let's let's destroy Mount Rushmore, we should be using these statues and monuments to have conversations about why we have changed, why we're now teaching our children that these are what these men did in the past, but this is why we don't do this now, and how can we continue、right. in the future to educate people the correct way. Exactly, I think that's a、um, the biggest issue with cancel culture is that it tries to eliminate rather than educate, and the problem、um, that we're talking about with the idea of Mount Rushmore and、um, other historic monuments such as that is that we are not giving it the opportunity to learn from that. We're rather trying to erase it like it never happened. So I think one of the beneficial things that could Um, play a better role is at.、Uh, I'm, I haven't been there yet. I, I really want to go because it's、um, something、Rushmore. about yeah Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I always want to see、obviously. it. Yeah, have you been there? No, I'm not.、Oh, I, I, Bernie、okay. Sanders has. <laughs> And Bernie CNN、Sanders. said he did a great <laughs> job. But, <laughs> <laughs>、um, but I, I would. I haven't seen if there's any like. I'm sure there's like different parts where you can read about the history and stuff. 
like oh, that. Oh yeah, and but, how they depict them. Yeah, yeah, but I think it it's very beneficial for um, moments in time like that where um, the social norms of now did not apply. Um, it's very important to educate in an open way in terms of okay, let's learn from what happened in our history. And this is how it sort of evolved and allow um, parents and teachers who guide those people, those younger generations to allow them to form um, their ideas based on what they're learning in this moment and allow them to evolve from where we already are rather than um, where we've previously been. Yeah, I think that's what we should do, but... Hopefully, starting with our generation is we're learning from those mistakes and we are going to continue to evolve. Exactly. And I think that's the, um, again, the, 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 the big thing that cancel culture gets away is can we learn from the experience? Yeah, I agree. All right, perfect. I think um, that was a very interesting conversation we had. And um I you know, hope you're staying safe with the COVID com- pandemic um, and staying safe from the cancel culture. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was really fun. And um, I'll let you know when this episode is going to release tomorrow, probably around 12 o'clock. And then uh, if you have a chance, just um, save the audio file and uh, you can send that out, uh, s- send it to me through email or um, text or whatever. And then we'll get back with you tomorrow. And um that's really interesting conversation. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. I love talking with people over important issues, so it was fun. Again, thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about Where Is the Podcast, you can find our website at wrzpod.com. And our email is connect at wrzpod.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wrzpod. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks.